Well, hello there. It's uh, Paul Carruthers, and I'm the, what am I? Oh, I am the communications <laughs> manager for Moto America, and this is Off Track with my co-host, John Weiss, who's in Ohio. We've been together for the past two weeks. I almost feel as though we're married. Um, <laughs> less sex, or maybe about the same <laughs> sex. But anyways, um, Sean, uh, I bet it felt good to get home after two weeks. We had the, the season openers at, uh, at beautiful Michelin Raceway Road, Atlanta. And then we followed that up with a quick trip to Circuit of the Americas where we joined MotoGP. And uh, I don't know about you, but um, man, I'm, I'm a little bit worn out. I don't know if it's because I'm getting old or what, but the, the couple of weeks of traveling, um, didn't do me any favors and and we had some uh we were obviously very busy for those two weekends it's it's a lot of work um so yeah how do you feel yeah it was a weird uh you know i got up on monday and i had it sort of set up so my flight wasn't as early as yours was which i was really happy about and you know got to take my time you know getting there and the hotels aren't all that far from the the airport which isn't too bad and the airport's not too far from the track either so that's a nice thing about being there and at coda um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, by the time I got home, it was, I got home about midnight on Monday night and, uh, yesterday was a weird day for me. It's almost like it, it suddenly hit me. I mean, I, in the middle of the day, I, I found myself dozing off a few times and stuff, but, um, when you, when you left, you left pretty early. Did you see a lot of people in, uh, MotoGP gear and did you see any riders when you were going at the airport? Yeah, it's, it. That's one thing about that race, and I mean, it shows you how many people are actually there and how many people travel to get there. But um, yeah, I actually, I believe it or not, I had to set the alarm. I got up at three thirty in the morning, and, oh, and a quick shower, and got out of there like four because my flight was at six. So I was at the airport early, and there was, I mean, every gate you walked past, um, every little coffee shop and what have you, there was. Uh, Lots of people. I saw a lot of Moto America sweatshirts. I saw, you know, you see your 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 Mark Marquez T-shirts and your tons of Valentino Rossi stuff. You know, jackets and sweatshirts and hats. And but yeah, the the airport seemed to be pretty full of uh, of people that had attended the race over there at uh, at Coda. So it's kind of cool to see. It's especially nice when you you know you see a you, you see some Moto America stuff as well. But um, to answer your first question or your second question or whatever it was, I, I didn't actually see any riders. Um, I saw Kyle Wyman's dad, uh, from afar and, uh, yeah, that was about it. There was, uh, there was nobody, no, I, I think the riders were smarter than I was as far as getting up and getting back. I saw the only guy that looked like he beat me home was, uh, was Jason Pridmore, but I think that's cause he had a direct, he had, he would have had a direct flight into LAX where I had to connect in Phoenix, but uh, I could tell by his Instagram that he was home or at least getting close. Yeah, you know, and I, I actually didn't leave till I think it was about five o'clock uh, Monday night. So when I got there, you know, there were uh, tons of fans everywhere. And it's it's funny because, you know, with with all the Rossi fans, that yellow so, so much jumps out at you when you're walking around. It. You just don't see that in everyday life. And it's it was it was pretty crazy to see it. But one of the things that was interesting is um, I flew to Houston and then Houston back to Columbus Ohio and the Houston flight, it seems like a lot of people go there. And then if they're going, you know, back over to Europe or whatever, I think that's obviously a bigger hub or connects to flights that are going internationally. So um, there seemed to be, I, you know, I saw a lot of um, MotoGP team members, not ones that I recognized, but there was one point where I was sitting there and I got, I got to the airport really super early, like way before I needed to, but I was just sort of sitting there with on my computer working on some stuff. And, um, all of a sudden this guy walks by and he's, he's got this Oakley shirt on very, very unassuming looking person. And I looked at him and it was, it was Maverick Vignale. So, oh, wow. so yeah, it completely like nobody had, nobody really had any idea, even among, you know, a lot of the people that were there and, would know, but you know, he was very nondescript looking and, you know, I saw him and I kind of looked at him and I said, I kind of, kind of half whispered, which for me is almost like a normal speaking voice for everybody else since I'm so damn loud all the time. But I, I said, Hey, Hey Maverick. And he kind of looked over at me and I said, I'm goose. And he just oh, kinda, God. he paused for, he paused. 
paused for a minute and then he kind of started laughing. It I'm was sure he hasn't heard that before. He didn't, <laughs> yeah. he didn't look at you and say, talk to me, Goose. Yeah, talk to me, Goose. You, you see he has a Top Gun logo on the back of his leathers too. I wonder. Um, yeah, I think that was fair. I must, think that might have been new for this one. I wonder if, you know, I was thinking, of course, in the business that we're in, we're always thinking about you know, brands and what we can use and what we can't use. I wonder if he's got some kind of, uh, you know, rights to use that. Cause I think that brand is whoever the producer, you know, the production company, whether it was universal pictures or whatever, but, uh, it kind of occurred to me, it's exactly like that one, which that, that logo looks so dated at this point, you know, but, um, I'm sure it was kind of cool. (laughs) Probably did. And uh, somebody told me later on in the day that apparently Lorenzo was walking around quite a bit. And somebody else said that they tried to get among that huge mass of people to try to get an autograph from Rossi. And, you know, they happened to be in the airport and he was all by himself. So they walked up to him and got, got their autograph they needed and talked to him for a little bit. So sometimes sometimes the best way to get what you need from those riders is, I guess, be at the airport because – they seem to walk around and it's certainly not like the way things are for them in Europe, but boy, there were a lot of, a lot of crowds around uh, each of those pit, you know, the pit or the garage areas for sure. When we were walking back and forth to media, it's a crazy sight to see yeah, that. Yeah, it's, it's funny. They'll just sit there for God knows how long just and maybe to get a glimpse of, of, of Rossi or somebody like that, you know? Um, yeah. They, they could come up, they could come over to our place and have lunch with somebody by the time they did that, you know? Our guys are so, yeah. you know, our paddock's so open and free and, and obviously that, you know, our guys aren't as big as stars as those guys are and our series isn't as big as those guys are, but it, it sure must be refreshing as a fan for, to Moto America to just be able to, uh, you know, you can walk up to any of our trucks and, and, and awnings and stuff and, you know, you're 15, 10, 15 feet away from guys, you know, pulling motors apart and working on bikes and the riders are always friendly and, and come up to the, the outside there and, I, you know, talk to any fan that wants to talk to them. So it's kind of a, it's kind of a cool thing we have going on there. But um, yeah, there's something to be said, I guess, for that exclusivity thing. You know, it's like going to a club and, and wanting to be on the other side of the velvet rope. I think a lot of people just, you know, must think, oh man, it's got to be really cool because I can't get there kind of a thing. So right. it's different. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, it was cool this weekend, uh, the past weekend, as you know, um, I ended up helping helping with uh, getting some of the riders to the Q&A sessions that our riders did at some of the hospitality uh, areas around the track. Um, And those were cool. Inside there, they had like, you know, a lot of them had like a big uh, oval open bar in the center of it, lots of big screens. And, you know, it was pretty loud. But Mm -hmm. uh, when we went in there, when we went in there, the fans were pretty attentive. You know, I kind of you know, raised my voice and said, Hey, everybody, you know, we've got a couple of riders from Moto America here. And, you know, they were pretty knowledgeable. I mean, some of it was either right before or right after a, a qualifying session or a practice session for MotoGP. So um, they were pretty attentive, though. I mean, you can definitely see that, you know, they, they seem they do know who our riders are. And, and even asking some of the fans um, to ask, you know, for any questions for the riders, they they seem to be pretty knowledgeable, uh, at this point, which is nice. I mean, it's great that people go there for, you know, and, and get our series and actually know what's going on with it as well. I, I felt that kind of the whole weekend. It was nice. Yeah. I went up to one of those suites as well. We, we took, um, we actually had me and Jonathan Green and, and, uh, Wayne Rainey and Kevin Schwantz. And so we actually had, uh, Kevin and Wayne together and we're able to talk to them. And I mean, as you can imagine those people in the suite, I mean, everybody was tuned in on that and, and you could tell it was, uh, it was something really enjoyable. Those two guys were really good. They had good stories and it was kind of funny because they would say, Oh, that's not how I remember it. No, well, that's not how I remember it. You know, obviously each guy (laughs) wants to remember it, the ones that he won and not the ones that he lost, but it was kind of cool. I got a chance to I got a chance to tell, you know, a, a Schwantz Rainey story from, from back in the day when I used to cover the series for, for cycle news. So it was kind of cool. And then, you know, obviously they had, they had a few stories to tell and you could tell the people really and like, really liked, uh, you know, having them there and, and those two guys together. Cause they're both legends and, and their rivalry, it was just so real. You know, there's a lot of rivalries that are f- kind of fabricated by, by the media or, or whatever. But I mean, that one was, I can attest to the fact that they, uh, they definitely didn't like each other, but it's, it's good to see them now together and, and friendly and, um, 
you know, they're never going to be best of friends, but I think they share a mutual respect for each other and what each other accomplished and how tough of competitors they were for each other. So it's, it was kind of a cool thing to have those guys together like that. Yeah, that was great. Now tell for the, for the uh, listeners, Paul, you got to tell the story that you, you, uh, you shared, um, in that presentation. Oh, well, it was, it was kind of to illustrate just how serious that rivalry was. But, um, you know, I, as I explained to those people that there that day, um, you know, when I was with Cycle News, it was like, I, I really liked both of those guys and I still do. Um, obviously one of them is my boss, but the other one's always been a good friend. And, uh, you know, when I would be talking to Kevin, I'd always be looking around to see if Wayne was t watching me talk to Kevin and vice versa, you know, cause I didn't want to get stink eye from either one of them or one of them <laughs> to think that I liked the other one more. But, uh, at, we were, at, we were actually at Brainerd in Minnesota and <clears throat> Kevin had had a big crash in turn one, which is really fast. I, it's probably flat out on, on a GSXR at that point in time, um, if not flat out, just a hair off flat, off flat out. But he had a big crash, and he came out of that like limping and stuff like that. So I, I basically we, we were supposed to play tennis that night at the hotel that afternoon. So I said, um, I said we won't be playing tennis today, right? And he goes, No, we're playing. <laughs> And I said, well, what, why? And he goes, Wayne Rainey, Wayne's room's right there by the tennis court. And I want to see, I want him to see me playing tennis so that he doesn't think I'm hurt. And I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> I'm like, you guys are freaks. So there we went and played tennis. And, you know, he, 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 he ran around as, as gingerly as he could. And, and then when we got done, he went back to his limping thing when he knew he was out of sight of, of Wayne's room. And Wayne's, Wayne's comment was, oh, yeah, I looked out the window. I just thought all I could see was, Couple of guys that do not play tennis very good. So I, <laughs> I was going to ask you: Were you? Do you recall if you were, you know, going easy on Kevin, or were you thinking, "Here's my chance to really, you know, beat him"? I mean, what what was your thought process when you were playing with him when he was hurt like that? Um, I was just like, "Why are we doing this?" You know, and I think oh. we just we just we just kind of hit the ball for a bit. I I don't I think even he, you know, we probably we probably ended a bit sooner than we normally would have, but I think he made his point that he was able to do it and and we moved on. So, yeah, but he's I think, you know, he's 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 a pretty good athlete and um he, you know, I played a lot of tennis when I was younger and so did he, so he knows what he's he knows his way around a court. That's cool. You know, speak, so speaking of rivalries, of course, you know, this, this thing with, with Cameron and Tony, which, you know, got heated a couple of years ago, but since then has been, well, last year it was too, I guess at Road America, but you know, that, that, uh, Saturday superbike race at Coda, there was some close passing and it was, it was pretty gnarly there for a little bit, but you know, they were all, they were all sweetness and light after that. They seemed pretty happy with each other. Did, did you suspect that there was any you know, it was it was tough passing at, at the last part of that race, didn't you think? Yeah, I think there was. You know, I think that's just how it's going to be. Um, yeah. You know, you've got you've got uh, you know, we'll shoot at, at you know at Atlanta. We had six guys in the front in the front group, and I think that you know it's going to a lot of races this year are going to come down to you know those last last lap passes that are you know somebody's going to think they're a little bit rough, and um, you know I think. You know, I think when, when people are so evenly matched like that, you know, it's, it, it's kind of like Supercross, you know. It's like those block passes and things like that. That's how you make things happen. And I think in our series, it's going to be a little bit of the same. Um, and I think you're going to see, I think you're going to see, you know, as chummy as everybody is now, uh, when push comes to shove, I think we're going to start to see some people you know, get their feelings hurt or what have you. And it's not always going to be as peachy as it is now, I think those rivalries are going to intensify as we move forward. And shoot, that's, that's the best thing we could hope for because, you know, that's what every, that's what people want to see. People want to see hard racing and they don't necessarily, uh, they don't care how good of friends they are after they want to, they want to see what each, what everybody's got. And so I do think, you know, I think it's great that they're chummy and I, I think for the most part they'll stay chummy, but I also think we're going to have periods throughout the season where there's going to be a couple of guys mad at each other. So We'll see where it goes. Yeah. It, you know, and man, uh, what a weekend at Coda for, for Suzuki, not only with Rins winning that MotoGP, but, you know, obviously with Tony and, and uh, Josh. And for Josh to already win a Superbike race for that Yoshimura factory Suzuki team this soon already in the season is pretty amazing. And, you know, you, I'm sure you saw 
the photos or a photo of Tony with Josh Heron on his shoulders. Yeah. <laughs> and, I was, and, and I was thinking, there's no way that Wayne Rainey would have ever put John Kaczynski up on his shoulders after he beat him in a race. So you wonder how no. long that that's going to continue, you know? Yeah, um, I, I don't I don't see that lasting either. But yeah, I mean, right. yeah, I don't think Wayne would ever have John Kaczynski on his shoulders or vice versa. So <laughs> it's a different yeah. it's a different time. But again, when um, these guys start pushing each other around a little bit, there's going to be uh there'll be there'll there'll be some changes in that i just think it's hard i can't imagine um you know i think it would be really difficult it's one thing for it's one thing for cameron and tony to go at it like they have for the last couple of years and when they're done they go back to different trailers but uh you know if you're josh and and uh you're josh and tony you're in the same truck if you're cameron and garrett you're in the same truck um so I, I don't know. It'd, it'd be pretty hard. It'd be, you know, it, can you imagine you and I fighting and then we go back and, and and we're in the same room together? You know, it's. Yeah. But I guess they it's, you know, it'll it'll it makes for interesting uh, theater, as they say. I think, yeah, things are going to get things will get rough a little bit. Yeah. And, you know, as Garrett told us, uh, Garrett Gerloff told us and when he was on our podcast in the offseason, you know, he felt like he was really going to step up this year. And, and he certainly has. And it's an interesting dynamic because in the past, Yamaha's always had a hospitality trailer and then kind of the, the team trailer where the, you know, the, the technicians and everything work out of. But there's a lounge in the front of each of those those trailers. So it was always, you know, when, when it was Cameron and Josh Hayes, they were in separate trucks. Now that it's Garrett and Cameron, they, last year they were in separate trucks, but this year they only have the one truck and they're both changing and hanging out in the same lounge. So it's good. That, that'll be interesting as the season goes on with that. Like you say about, you know, having to be in the same room with somebody They're they're definitely going to have to do that. And they've always gotten along really well. I mean, they're, they're kind of, they're, in in some ways, similar similar people, similar riders, you know, uh, mm-hmm. both good guys and everything. But they uh, they both have a a, a simmering uh, intensity within them. I know that. So with between those two, and and then you know between Heron and and uh, Elias, and you know between all four of them, uh, it's it's gonna it's gonna be interesting as the season goes on to see what what happens. That's for sure. Yeah, I mean everybody gets along until they don't. You know what I mean. And, uh, yeah, exactly. and, and they're, I mean, they're, those are small quarters that those guys hang out in. You, you know, it, it could be your best friend and it'd still be difficult to be that much on top of each other. I can't imagine if, uh, if things get a bit dicey out on the track and then you got to go back, but, um, I'm sure they'll work through it. I think it's going to be, uh, I, I think it just makes it even better for our fans to, to, if we can get those rivalries going. And I don't see that there's, I don't real I really don't, I really don't see how those guys can go through the season without having it you know what i mean because i just think the racing is so close and it's going to be so intense the fight to win that championship you know eventually eventually there's there's a bit of a boiling point there but i mean that the the races so far have just been tremendous i thought road atlanta superbike races were just outstanding and you know i was going to ask you like you know, who, who your surprise was or who, who you were impressed the most by, obviously, you know, you, you expect every single race for Tony and Cameron to, to perform the way that they did at road Atlanta and they each won a race. Um, and then, but, but I think looking back at those other guys, I, I, you know, at least at road Atlanta and even, and even to a certain degree at, um, at Coda, but I mean, I look at somebody like JD beach and, and yeah. that was a big surprise for me. I knew he would be competitive, but I just didn't think he'd be competitive straight away. And he even told me, I mean, he was, he surprised himself at road Atlanta. You know, he said he gets to turn one and he's in the lead and he's like, okay, they're going to come flying <laughs> by me. And they didn't. And then he gets to the top of the S's and he's like, okay, they're going to come stuffing by me. And they didn't. And then he said, you know, he thought at some point, because he knows those guys pick up the pace, you know, a bit later in the race. And he said, they really didn't do anything that he couldn't, you know, hang with and and there you go he came out of there with two good results and 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 then he carried that momentum to Cody. they had a bit of an issue in the second race but um yeah i mean to me he was impressive i thought skultz was impressive at road atlanta um he had he had a bad coda obviously but there's 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 you know it'd be easy for us to say oh there's gonna be six guys racing for the lead but right now there's six guys that'll be racing for the lead and and i think it's only going to get better at um you know, we go to VIR in two weeks 
and shit, I remember, you know, that, that place always, always has good races. I've, I've never seen a bad race there. And I think this year is just going to be outstanding. I, it's, you know, as, as tired as I am and as worn out as I am from two hard weekends, I'm, you know, I'm chomping at the bit to, uh, to see what's going to happen at VIR. Yeah. See what's next. I agree with you about, about JD. I mean, I, I think we all, you know, figured he deserved that ride and we're happy that he got that ride, but for him to do what he's done already so quickly, you know, really hats off to him. Great job. And, you know, for Heron, for Heron to win that, you know, the fourth Superbike race of the year too. I mean, obviously he's on, you know, uh, one of the four best bikes out there clearly, but, uh, he doesn't, he, he doesn't, um, he's not, uh, shying away from the challenge. Let me put it that way. And I think he's handled himself pretty well. Um, he, he's just a different rider than he was a few years ago. It's incredible how, how he's changed so much. Um, I, it's, it's almost like now, you know, at this point in his career and with his, his skills, it, it would have been better for him to go to Moto2 or something because I just, he just wasn't ready yet. Don't you think that was the case? Really? Yeah, I don't think he was ready. I think he came out of that. We've talked about this before. I think he came out of that championship winning season where he beat Josh Hayes for the title. And I think, you know, he even know he did, he didn't think he deserved it. He didn't think he'd earned it. Um, and so, he, you know, I just, yeah, most of the, most of the time you you walk away from winning a superbike championship, you you know you're you know you're full of piss and vinegar, and that wasn't the case with him. And you know he I think he went to Europe. I don't know how into it he was. And I you know when we had him on the podcast, I learned a lot too, just how miserable of a time that he had there. And and you know the, it wasn't a good time to be Josh Heron. And you know fortunately he came back, and that's right when we started Moto America. So he he came right into something that was new and refreshing and. And he used it to revitalize his career. The only thing I worry about with Josh, I mean, he's his talent level is is unmatched. I mean, he you you saw on on Sunday at at Coda what he's capable of. Um, but then I think, you know, I worry about him. I, I his as far as being a championship contender, I still don't know that he's to that point yet. Because like even even at Coda. You know, in, in the press conference on Sunday when, you know, I asked him what the difference is between, you know, his Sunday result and his Saturday result when he finished uh, fourth, but he kind of fell off the back there a little bit and, you know, lost the plot a bit because he wasn't able to keep up with him. You know, and he just said, oh, you know, you know, mentally I was just better today than I was yesterday. Well, you know, I think to win the, to win that championship, you've got to be mentally on it every time. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I don't think you can have a bad day and finish fourth because you just didn't have the pace or because the other guys, you know, maybe had something a little better that day, but I just don't think you can, you can, you can slip down to fourth because you just didn't, you know, mentally you weren't there, you know, I, so that kind of worries me, but I think that's also something that, um, I think he probably felt, he's probably feeling a lot or felt a lot of pressure, you know, being with a new team and trying to show people that you're worthy and that you're capable of being in that team so that might have got to him a little bit on um, on Saturday, and then after winning on Sunday, who knows? We might not see that that side of him again. I mean, he just might, you know, he he might be, uh, you know, he might be right there every single race and not have those those mental lapses that push him back a bit. Yeah, another one that um, you know has had two good weekends with VIR and and Coda, and I don't know, he's pretty excited about it, even though. Well, let's talk about it. Kyle Wyman, his situation. I mean, he's struggling. Not, he's not struggling. He's working through having to get the bike, you know, the way he needs it to be. It's such early days. But it, from what I understand, he's pretty happy with how things have gone so far. Is that is that kind of your take on it as well? Yeah, I think he's happy because, um, I mean, the just if you just look at what that kid's got on his plate, I mean, he's got something yeah. big. He, his, his plate's pretty full in a normal year when he shows up with an R1 and you know, it's the same bike as last year and they've worked on this and they've done a little bit of this and a little bit of that. But this year is a whole different deal for him because, you know, he's showing up with that Ducati. It's brand new. Um, you know, he's getting parts made for it and fabricated for it. And, and we saw some of the issues he had at road Atlanta. I mean, at, uh, at Coda with a, with a new gas tank that he'd had made fabricated for that bike and had some issues with it hitting the wheel. And I mean, it just, there's just a lot there. So I think the fact that he's, um, he's finished three out of the four races and done fairly well in those races, 
I think him more than anybody just really needs these two weeks between between Coda and VIR to uh, you know two weeks two weeks in his life right now with what he's dealing with the with the new motorcycle is just it, it can be huge you know it's it's like six months for somebody else so I know he right. was headed he was headed back home with the bike um, that way he that the la- what happened last time was the gas tank was fabricated without actually having the motorcycle there so. There were some mistakes made, but now, I mean, it's a different thing when you can take the whole motorcycle to the fabricator and the guy can actually work with it, you know, hands on. Yeah, I think he had to ride it while they were figuring out the gas tank situation so they couldn't be in the same place at the same time. Um, another one, uh, really, really quite a bummer about Jake Gagne. I mean, he he was looking like he was coming back and he had, man, his bike was like 193 at Coda. That bike's super fast. And it's just a shame that he had that mistake and went down. And it looked like he didn't, you know, really, he kind of protected his leg, but I guess he tumbled at the end. And I think you talked to him, Paul, didn't you? And he said it, he heard it. So uh, it's just a, unfortunate for him to have that happen because he, he was looking strong. Yeah, he was looking really good there. And, and um, yeah, it was, a, it was a bummer to see that. Um, but he's, you know, he's a tough kid. and. And he didn't, you know, it could have been a lot worse. He could have rebroke the leg. He could have done all kinds of things. And, you know, and, and knowing him, he'll uh, he'll hobble around for the next couple of weeks and and do what he can to get himself healthy. And I think when he shows up at VIR, he'll be he'll be good to go. Um, it's a little setback, but it it could have been a lot worse. So I expect big things from him. Yeah, one of the things he told me, which surprised, well, didn't really surprise me, I guess, but I was thinking the issue that he has, thankfully, it's, if he's going to break a leg, it's, it's the right leg. Um, and I was thinking, how much rear brake does he use? I know some guys use more than others. Well, he does use the rear brake. I talked to him about that, but he said that part of it isn't too bad. It's the fact that just the, the weighting and unweighting of the foot pegs on either side of the bike in terms of, you know, going left and right on the turns. That's that's the toughest thing for him to put weight on that right, right leg just to get the bike to leaned over on that side. So and and I guess he found out when he had it checked over that there really hasn't been a lot of healing in that bone yet. So it's it's still early days. And, you know, he's relying on a couple of plates and some screws to sort of hold that whole thing together. I'm, I'm amazed that he can even walk around on it. But like you said, I'm sure he'll be back at, at uh, you know, VIR and, and ready to go. And I think we're going to see some good good things out of him for sure. And, um, you know, the other the other uh, BMW that surprised me a little bit was that Kyle Wyman's brother, Travis, um, wanted to get a top 10 and uh, on a, essentially a little bit more than a more, more closer to Superbike than Stock 1000 but not a complete superbike in terms of electronics. He wanted he wanted to finish inside the top ten, and he absolutely did that on Sunday. So you know we'll have to see what he does. Whether he's you know going to come up to superbike next year or not, but I think he feels pretty good, and he feels the same way about that BMW that it's you know it's a great bike and, and a good platform for him. So um, good good on him as well. Um, it's fun to see those guys step up. Yeah, I think it's good. You know, sometimes it's good that we have just the superbike race with it. You know, with the MotoGP because, you know, it does give uh, it gives somebody like Travis an opportunity to, to dip his toe in the superbike pond, and and he gets to do so, and they in front of a big audience. He probably it's good exposure for the team, etc. Um, and I could see more guys, you know, doing that as especially when they see some of the success that guys like Travis have when they do when they do uh, get the chance to to try a super bike. So no, I thought it was cool. Mm. I think, you know, overall, um, you know, for the weekend, it was, it, it was a bit of a bummer for Gagne. Um, I think it was a bit of a bummer for Matthew Skultz. Um, but everybody else, it's like, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about Garrett Gerloff. I mean, to me, after qual after practice and qualifying, I, I don't, I think he led maybe every session at road Atlanta. If he didn't, he was close to doing that qualified on Paul for the first time, which I know was one of his goals last year that he didn't, he didn't reach. Um, and going into those two races, I'm like, you know, th- he might be able to uh, actually get away from these guys. And I-, I think he had that kind of pace. I even think, um, I think those, I think his, his rivals in the class probably kind of thought the same thing that he was going to be the guy to beat. And obviously he made a bit of a mistake down there and crashed. And then the second race was just, you know, that's just some fluke, stupid, bad luck. So he basically would like to write that, that race off of his, uh, off of his deal there and, and move forward. But he, you know, he's going to creep up in the standings. The problem is 
you're a guy like Garrett Gerloff and we're four races in and he's 54 points behind, you know, and that's actually, right. you know, Cameron's only 13 points behind Tony, which for Cameron's a good start to his season. Cause normally he, he normally those, that first race or two aren't so good for him or they haven't been of late, right. but he's only 13 points down. And, but then you get to Heron in third and he's already 41. But I think the thing we're going to see that's going to be helpful to somebody like Garrett or Heron and Skultz and these guys and JD that are already a little bit behind in the points is the fact that uh, is the fact that since there are you know six or seven guys capable of running at the front, it means one of these it, it means you know on an off weekend somebody like Garrett I mean somebody like Cameron or Tony could finish fifth, sixth, or seventh. So you can there is an opportunity to gain a bunch of points every time you line up, you know. Yeah, and I mean Cameron, you know, uh, being thirteen points behind—that's in the in the quote Tony Elias era of Moto America. That's the closest he's been to Tony or to first place going into VIR since we since Tony's been racing in the series. So all things considered, he's he's in a lot better shape than he's been in the past. You know, I have to I have to say, you know, for Garrett and also Matthew Skoltz, they both put in some hero rides. I mean, that situation with Garrett where he had some issues with his bike and he had to start behind the pace car um, uh, or however that – back at the back of the field after being behind the pace car when they went out and he got all the way up as far as he did in the race was pretty impressive. I mean, he basically went through with the entire field except for the, the factory guys. And then, you know, in that first race, Skoltz ran off the track and crashed – in this, you know, same, it was either the second or third lap early on in the race. I've never seen anybody low side the bike and crash and get back on it and take off faster than Matthew Skoltz did. The, the corner workers were running at top speed to come over and help him. And he already got the bike up and took off before they could make it there. So, and you know, for him to get a seventh, I believe it was, it was just, uh, you know, salvaged as much as he could. So, you know, those guys are, are certainly doing what they can. They've just had a little bit of bad luck to start. But as you say, I mean, things things may happen to these other riders, you know, at, at some of the other rounds and things, especially if, you know, the guys start mixing it up a little bit. So, I mean, it's it's great drama and it's a great series. There's no doubt about it. I had to crack up when, when I was watching it. I think you might have been watching down um, on Pit Road and everything, but just sitting in the media center when Tony is, uh, well, when he ultimately won on Saturday, you know, almost all of the media people who were clearly the MotoGP media people were, were kind of cheering and clapping for Tony. Well, he is one of their guys. There's no doubt about it. And I'm sure there's a, a fair number of Spanish journalists in that room too. But it, the thing that t I was, I went away from that with was the fact that that entire room was, was paying attention to our series. And sometimes, you know, without the sound on those guys, just kind of have their heads down and they're working on their own things. So I, you know, I think, I think we're getting noticed for sure, which is real cool for this series. Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, and, and those, those people, if they didn't pay attention to us before, they definitely started paying attention when Tony came over, because like you said, he's one of them. He's got, he's got so many friends in that paddock because he was a part of it for so long. Um, you know, when he pulled into uh park for May after winning on Saturday, <clears throat> There was a whole team of, <clears throat> excuse me, of mechanics and 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 team personnel, you know, waiting for him to come back. I didn't I didn't notice whether it, maybe it was a team that he's ridden for before or whatever, but they were all waiting for him when he pulled in and he ran over there and was hugging them and stuff. So he's, you know, he's he's in his element there. Um, mm -hmm. And I think we saw that right away when he came to this the championship. I don't think there was a better place for him to start than when we started at Coda his first year. Uh, and right. he had all those people. I think he, he drew strength and speed and energy and all that from that crowd. I think he, I think his, I think his whole Moto GP career started with such a bang. And I think a lot of it was because we went to Coda first, you know, maybe if we'd have gone to VIR or New Jersey or something for our first race, he, he, you know, he might not have gotten off to that great of a start. And in turn, it might not have carried over to to what he's been able to do here might've taken him longer. So yeah, I think Coda is something he obviously feels comfortable there. And, and like I said, he's got a lot of friends there and it's, it's, it's kind of his place. I mean, he, he doesn't, he, he, that's only the second time he's lost there since he started racing here. And as you can tell, it's not like he loses by a lot when he loses, he's right there. So yeah. hats off to him. He's, um, he's good there. 
Yeah. You know, speaking of uh, foreign writers, you probably saw this, but we haven't talked about it. Um, over the weekend, it looked to me like, well, I think there was an AFM race going on out West. And did you see the photos of Valentin Debis on a Graves Kawasaki over the weekend? Did you, did you see yeah. that? Paul? Yeah, I did. I so, saw some of his Instagram on that. Hey, it just goes to show you never know. Seriously. Like if, if, if Graves needs a guy to test the bike or ride the bike or whatever he wants to do. I mean, there's no better guy to throw on it than, than that guy. I mean, if, if seriously, if they decided they wanted to come do um, a super sport race here and there, you know, he'd be competitive. So it's, uh, it was pretty smart. It gave him a chance to come ride the thing and maybe, you know, he gets to know these guys a little bit better and they get to know him and who knows what it could lead to. Well, yeah, I mean, it got me to thinking, I mean, it's still early days, but, you know, you got Braid Nord on a Graves Kawasaki, you have Andrew Lee on a ZX-10R Kawasaki, Graves Kawasaki. I, I mean, maybe, maybe I haven't seen the entry list yet for VIR, but I mean, I guess we w won't be surprised if Valentin DeBeast shows up and is in the Super Sport entry list for, if not VIR, maybe down the road a little bit. But uh, yeah, I mean, he, they got a, they got a good one if they're that's going to happen. But it was, it was kind of surprising for him because, you know, he, we, as we know, and most people know, or a lot of them do, um, you know, he's a test rider, right? From Michelin and has a job, but I guess he just wants, he loves Moto America and wants to be in it. So maybe he can talk uh, Chuck and those guys to let him race for in our series coming up. That'd be nice to see. Yeah, it would be nice. If, even if it was just, you know, a race here or a race there that didn't conflict with his, with his, with his deal that he's got going on in Europe. But, um, yeah, he's a good dude and he's, he's a hell of a racer and you know, our series is better with him than it is without him. So I'd like him to come back if he could. Mm -hmm. Um, so Paul, one of the things I want to ask you, we're, we're getting towards the end of, uh, running out of time. I thought we'd be able to get into all the classes, but boy, we did, did a solid, uh, 30 minutes on Superbike. But one of the things I wanted to ask you about or have us talk about a little bit is, you know, how this thing's going with the TV and, you know, things that we're finding out along the way, the little bit of a surprise that we had at, at Coda and, you know, how that all worked out and just, you know, we're, we're a pretty transparent, uh, racing organization and I know we aim to please, I've seen you personally dealing one-on-one -on -one with customers that have questions or things that they want to get worked out on something. I know that, uh, that, that the partners, you know, are very responsive in this, which is the reason why we've got the TV options we've got so far, but, you know, let, let's talk a little, a little bit about, um, the situation with live plus, just because some people you know, probably wondered what happened there. And, um, you know, can you talk about that a little bit? Well, I guess what happened on Saturday was the bottom line was we weren't given enough bandwidth by the track to make our Moto America Live Plus work. Um, it was, you know, I think we found out late in the game that we had an issue and obviously too late to fix it. Um, we were able to fix it for Sunday's race um, and we didn't have the issue again. And I think it's, you know... It's one of those things that um, it happened and it was a bummer. I mean, there's nobody that wants that to work better than what we at Moto America want, how we at Moto America want it to work. I mean, it was very disappointing not to have it. And obviously, you know, we, we feel right away, you know, the, our fans are our customers and people that had purchased um, Moto America Live Plus are, are our customers. And, you know, the customer's always right. And we want those guys to be happy, those girls to be happy. And those, and, and they weren't, you know, there was a lot of disappointment there. And, and we fielded, uh, you know, we fielded a lot of questions and a lot of complaints. But, you know, it's funny because I think, I think they're, the, our fans are such good fans. They want the best for us. And they know that stuff like this can happen. And every single one of them that I corresponded with, um, you know, by the time I was finished with them, they were like, hey, you know, they, it's almost like they feel bad for complaining because they know for, for starters, I think most people, most people aren't expecting to get a call back or even a return to their message um, when they have complaints. But, and, and to just reaching back out to them and, and letting them and apologizing to them and, and saying, hey, you know, it, it, it was messed up and you know, whether it was our fault or it wasn't our fault, in this case it wasn't, but the bottom line is it's still us and we've got to make things right. And I think, um, yeah, I, I was, 
Yeah, I was impressed with I, I was impressed with with their reaction when you know when we'd get back in touch with them and make things work. I had somebody call me or called the office uh, yesterday morning, and and I re I returned their call and uh, and they didn't answer, but I left a message, and then the individual called me back last night and. You know, we talked on the phone and he was like, he, he just, he just could not believe that, that somebody from Moto America had actually returning his phone call and, and wanted to talk <laughs> to him about his issues. So I think it's just a matter of, it's just a matter of, um, you know, of, of thinking of these guys and realizing that they spent some money and realizing that it didn't work for them. I mean, I know I get frustrated, you know, when I'm, when I'm watching certain things and the streaming doesn't work or something's not right, you know, you, you, you get upset because you're a fan and you want to watch it. I mean, the bottom line is right. you, the bottom line is you want to watch motorcycles go around the track because that's what makes you, you know, that's what makes you sign up for the thing. So it was a bit of a bummer, but you know what? We, we got it resolved. I'm very confident in it. And, and like from Atlanta, you know, watching it, it's, it's, I don't know. I just, I'm just pumped when I sit, I can sit there and I'm seeing our races on my phone you know, whether I'm walking around the paddock or I'm in the media center or something, it's just, I mean, I can look up at the monitor and see the same thing, but there's nothing like going, oh man, I'm holding this thing in my hand and all of our fans, no matter where they are, are able to watch this. I mean, I just think it's so freaking cool. And yeah, it was a bummer that we had a glitch, but you know what? I mean, it was bound to happen at some point, you know, when you're trying something new, you're, you know, you're, you're going to run into an issue here and there. And I, I think, you know, we, we got it out of our system and, and hopefully, uh, I, I'm I'm confident that going forward everything's going to be okay. But yeah, all, all you can do, you know, I, I learned I learned a long time ago, like being at Cycle News and stuff. You know, the, all you can do is say, "Hey, yeah, we screwed up, and we're sorry about it," and and off we go. And I think most people are receptive to that. Yeah, I mean, it's it's when you when you cover it up or ignore it or try to say it's something else. You know, we've we've owned everything uh, so far, and it's it's tricky because I know there was a couple of comments where people when we said. Um, you know, well, we had this bandwidth issue at, at Coda and people are like, well, MotoGP's TV or whatever they call their streaming system was fine. And it's like, I'm not saying it's because of that, but there was a, there was a lot of bandwidth being tossed around and being used at that track. So, um, and you know, when we go to each track, you know, I, I'm sure it's, it's something that we're going to even be doubled down on making sure that everything, you know, con connectivity is where it should be. Um, for the rest of the season and, and onward and upward. But um, man, there's so many options though, not only with the broadcast, but you know, there's the video on demand with Live Plus and then there's re-airs. So um, it's it's great that if you, you know, like for instance, we didn't have it live, but we had that video on demand of that race on Live Plus pretty soon after that. And uh, I think we responded pretty quickly with, with, with that as well. So I, I was I was very proud of of what we were able to do amidst that you know chaotic situation to put it uh lightly i guess <laughs> so. yeah and i mean it's you know it's it's seriously like it, i know i know because we're doing these tune in alerts and stuff you know and it's like oh my god i cannot believe how much moto america is on tv at this point you know i think there's rewind shows and there's replays of the rewind shows and there's you know, we've got the NBC show and we've got the Fox Sports too. And then we've got the Moto America Live Plus. And it, I mean, it's, it's, it, it's really exciting and it's, and it's awesome. And I'm, I'm happy to be a part of it because it's just a good time to be, to be a road racing fan in this country because there's just a lot of TV. I mean, you're talking to a guy that, you know, I remember, I mean, I, I'd be pumped because Wide Wilder Sports would have, you know, super bikers or they'd have a U.S. Motocross Grand Prix or something. But, I mean, to where we are now, where, where we actually, you know, we can throw a fit if it's not showing up on our phone, you know, while the race is going on live and, and we're in another country or something. I mean, it's, it's amazing how far we've come with that, but it's, it's, yeah, it's a good time to be, it's a good time to be doing this and, and we can bring Moto America to a, to a hell of a lot of people now. And that, that's a pretty cool thing. Now, one thing I wanted to ask you, Paul, you, you were in the booth with Jonathan Green. So the, the, the PA announcement stuff that you did, it, is that on, was that on Moto America Live Plus? Do, uh, did our listeners and viewers get to, get to hear your, the golden tones of Paul Carruthers? God, I hope not. Actually, no, <laughs> I, 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 I believe, I, I think that could be the case at some of the races. Um, it might right. be a PA feed or whatever, but I believe at that one, it was Greg and Jason. 
um, okay. doing the doing the call, so they didn't have to. The only people that had to listen to me were the the people in attendance. But I had a good time. It was fun. I Jonathan Green's a good guy. He makes you feel comfortable, and and he you know he knows what he's talking about, and he's got that British thing going for him. So I just kind of went along <laughs> for the ride. Well, you got that Australian thing going for you, so you yeah, know. yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's working. As I, magic. I know. Th- I, th- I I'm glad you. I I just I was going through the photos that our uh, Brian J Nelson our our photographer took and I I had seen that one of you and your dad and I was like I had such a good time talking to your dad and driving you crazy at the same time asking him all kinds of questions and um that guy's that guy is as you've put it before that guy is a stud he's he's a world class world champion and man, he is—he's got it going on. Eighty-one years old, and he—he he just was walking around that paddock talking to everybody, and a lot of people came up to him and knew who he was, and it was—it was really cool to see and, and spend the weekend around him. That was fun. Yeah, I was talking to my mom yesterday, actually last night, and she was like, "Oh my God, he had the best weekend. He won't shut up talking about it," you know, which you can imagine. <laughs> but he really did. I mean, he. He had, he had a great time and he was accepted there. You know, it's funny because I think when we went there, he's like, oh, no one's going to remember me or whatever. Well, that changed like the first time he walked through the Moto America pit because, you know, the, there's so many people in that that still work there that, that he knows. I mean, there's, there's, there's crew chiefs in the, in, the, in the paddock that used to be, you know, maybe junior mechanics with him when he, was, when he worked on Agostini's team and with Kenny and Eddie and those guys. And so he just, he just knows so many people in the paddock and it's, it's good that there's still a lot of those people are still there. And, and even people, you know, um, yeah, it was just good. He got to, he, he really likes to look at the motorcycles and he can't believe how far they've come. And, and, and he got to go, you know, he got to go look at the Honda. He got to hang out with Jack Miller. He got to look at the Ducati. He obviously could go in the Yamaha garage. Uh, so he did, he, he got to, he had his, he had a nice fill of, of, uh, of MotoGP, which was cool. And then, and believe it or not, that's his first Moto America race. So, he was, uh, you know, he was impressed. He didn't, I don't, I think we surprised him with our setup, you know, with our semis and our hospitality. And I think he, uh, I think that took him by surprise. I don't think he thought we were as, we were as big as we, as we are. So that was cool too. That's really cool. That's great to hear. So, but, um, yeah, so look, we're, you know, we can wrap this thing up here pretty quick, but you know, I'm excited. I think VIR is going to be exceptional. Um, you know, we get back together with the rest of our classes. That's kind of our little brief hiatus from from the other classes. But there's nothing like, honestly, there's nothing like a full Moto America. You know, with five classes of racing over two days, so they they all race twice, with the exception of uh, of either Twins Cup or Stock One Thousand. Um, it'll be this uh, VIR. It'll be Stock One Thousand's chance to race twice on the weekend, um, and Twins Cup will go back to one. But I mean, all the championships are close. I think, you know, we saw how strong Bobby Fong is going to be in the Supersport class. Um, PJ Jacobson had a good weekend. Richie Escalante, Hayden Gillum, of course, and then Sean Dillon Kelly has really been impressive. And you know, the Junior Cup. I don't know about you, but I mean, in in all the time we've been doing Junior Cup, I can't. Or and and even back to the KTM RC Cup, I've never seen a kid dominate two races like. Um, Rocco, like Rocco, Rocco Landers. Rocco Landers. I mean, it was just, I mean, I, incredible. You know, I was telling somebody, I'm like, holy crap, if you're these other, you know, if you're a 15, 16, 17, 18 year old kid in that class and that 14 year old comes out and gives you a whooping, it's like, man, you, you know, <laughs> but it's good. It's, it's good. It's, it, you know, if you're a kid in that class and you got whooped by that kid, I think, you know, you probably put in, if you haven't put in a few weeks of hard work, then, you're not serious enough because that kid's going to take some beating. But I also think, you know, they close the gap a little bit on the second day. And I think they'll close the gap at VIR and some of these other places. Um, but yeah, he seems to be quite a talent. Yeah. And I mean, I think, I think we, I think Michael Barnes had said he's going to be at VIR. Didn't he, didn't he say that? Or he was hoping he was going to be to see about twins cup and whether. Yeah. I think he said VIR, but he wasn't sure beyond that, but you know, right. I mean, it, rarely does somebody come in and win two races um, and then go to another place where he could potentially win a race or two again and, and leave without coming back. I mean, somebody, somebody's going to step to the table to make sure that the guy who's leading the championship is able to continue in the championship. I would think, you know, 
Yeah. Yeah, I think so. It'll be interesting to see when we get there, though. But like you say, I mean, having all of our classes back and our own weekend and everything, as cool as it is to be with MotoGP, it's it's great. It'll be great to get back with our group and see all our other classes and riders. It'll be fun for sure. So looking and forward I to also, that. Yeah, I also think, you know, I, I think if you look at it historically, I think our championship really starts to gather momentum as far as you know, as, as far as the riders go and the teams go, I think when we get to VIR, it starts to get a little more real. Not that the other ones weren't mm. real, but it's just like, hey, this is worth, worth we're in our third event. And, you know, it, if you're going to step up, you need to step up now, you know. Yeah, that's right. The first two are so quick. I mean, man, before you know it, two of the 10 rounds are already done. <laughs> it's incredible. So, so yeah, it'll really having a, having a, this little bit of a break off and then going into the, you know, next part of the season is going to be going to be really cool. Yeah, it gives everybody a little time including us to uh to make some corrections and and fix what they were doing wrong and get a little more time to work on their bikes and maybe work on themselves and and get themselves fired up and yeah off to vir we go and i mean it's that's a wonderful racetrack it's a i love the i i just love the feel of being at that place it's just got like it's just got a lot of soul i think you know where you know the it media does. the media center is in a big barn and the the tech garage is a big barn and the snack bars are bar you know it's just it's just it's just a really really cool spot and i think um you know we get a lot of campers there and and yeah, it's it's one of those places where you can just tell everybody's having a good time. So hopefully we get a lot of people That's right. out. And the more people, the more fun we have. So I hope uh, I hope a lot of them come out and and support us. And and I think they'd be impressed with what they'll with what they'll see. Absolutely, yeah. Hey, Paul, I got to tell you, for these podcasts, I feel much more comfortable when we do these ones where it's just audio and not video. <laughs> I do not have a face or the rest of myself for video, that's for sure. So I'm glad to be just talking into this mic. <laughs> no, you, you, you probably have the perfect face for radio. And I, and, I, and I mean that with all the love in my heart, but you know what I mean? It's just like, <laughs> but I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, it's, it's, I, when I sit there and that video is on, I, I just, well, actually I do. I just forget that it's even there. You know, I hope I don't pick my nose or anything, but it's like, you just kind of <laughs> have to, you kind of have to tune it out. And, um, yeah, but anyway, yeah, I, I don't mind being in a, I don't mind being in a room without the cameras on me for this. So it's turned out. That's well, right. It's kind of nice. Thanks yeah. for, uh, thanks for joining me. Get some rest and, um, we'll regroup here. Well, we'll have a podcast next week. And uh, we'll bring in, okay. we'll drag a guest along. I thought this time would be kind of cool to just catch up and see what we thought about those first two opening rounds and, and move on. But uh, thanks to all the people that continue to listen to the podcast. It's really nice when uh, at the first two races, I've just had random people come up to me and tell me that they listen to it and that they like it. And that to me makes it definitely worth the time and effort we put into doing it. So um, yeah, and I thank you, Sean, too, your your efforts on this and I think people like it and that's what we wanted. So continue to, uh, to listen, however you, whatever platform you choose to listen to it on. And, uh, we'll have this one available, uh, uh, Saturday morning. We'll go back to that schedule and, and the races, we'll get them done a little quicker and get some guests on there, et cetera, et cetera. So have a good day. That's great. And, uh, we'll you chat well. with you. We'll chat with you next week, Sean. So thanks again. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Paul. Talk to you All later. Right.